Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Friday, April 23rd, 2021. I see you checking in there. Donna, Michael, Eileen and Gus, Grace, Karen, Don. Um, Eileen says, this must uh, be what heaven will sound like. Well, you know, I will say this. There is something, you know, it's, since it's so foreign to us now, um, about a men's chorus in particular, um, our men don't sing like they did or like they have. Uh, and uh, I think we need to reclaim that. But uh, not sure exactly how to do it, apart from teaching uh, our boys first to sing and then, you know, as they grow um, in wisdom and stature and, of course, in manlyhood, then uh, to uh, form choirs of men again that can sing. Of course, men and women together as well, uh, and women as well, right? Uh, to celebrate the gifts uh, that we each u- uniquely have. Um, and of course, then it confesses in a way, I suppose, the way that God made us, male and female, which we don't necessarily um, want to. <laughs> we don't see the same kind of um, willingness to confess male and female in our society. We'll put it that way. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse for this week. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8, 31 to 32. We say our psalm for this week. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee, O Jordan, that you turn back? O mountains that you skip like rams, O hills like lambs! Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. I think I'll uh, share our meditation on the psalm today so that we have a little bit more time tomorrow and to consider the readings for Sunday. So, Psalm 114. Again, this I like to use uh, Patrick Henry Reardon's book, Christ in the Psalms. Uh, here's what he has to say about this psalm. Not a long psalm, um, but there's something in there that I thought maybe we should uh, discuss. For purposes of our thinking about it here, let us call the first part of Psalm uh, one. 14 or 113a, and treat it as a separate psalm. In the Hebrew Psalter, it is Psalm 114, so that's what we just read. Even though it appears in our canonical Greek Psalter as part of a longer psalm, a close inspection of its eight lines 
so that it was not originally such. And as I propose to demonstrate, it makes a great deal of sense if we read these lines as an integral composition on their own. Right? So he's going to split it into two halves. We read it thus. When Israel went forth from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a barbarous people, Judah made his, was made his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea beheld and fled, and Jordan turned back at the sight. The mountains skipped like rams, and the little hills like lambs. Why, O sea, did you flee, and why, O Jordan, turned back? All right, and we read all this. From the perspective of style, this psalm is a perfect illustration of Hebraic parallelism, a feature found in so many of the Bible's poetry and aphorisms of its wisdom literature. The references to Egypt and a barbarous people, or strange language, uh, mountains to hills, stone to flint, rams to lambs, sanctuary to domain, are synonymous parallels in that they are roughly repetitious, or, uh, repetitious, I should say. They serve as, or they serve the function of slowing down our prayer, making us take a calmer, more contemplative pace. And I like this note, and I think it's worth uh, making uh, emphasis of, in that uh, too often I think we approach um, maybe our life in the church as uh, just something where we need to just you know get in, get out, get it over with, do what we've got to do, make God happy with us, that kind of thing. Uh, but you'll note that especially with the church in it, in her song, it forces us to slow down. Uh, one of the places where I think the children have noticed this in particular, or and have appreciated it, is that many of the, even the littlest children know the words of of the of institution of the Lord's Supper, and the reason why they know them so well is because um, I almost, without exception, sing them. I sing them according to the, the, the actual tone that Luther uh, appointed for them, for the words of institution, right? So, our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And, and they even sing it with the similar pacing as I do, right? Um, but it, it, rather than just read them quickly, our Lord Jesus Christ, and then he was betrayed, da, da, da. we got to say all these magic words to make this thing happen, right? That's not how it is, right? They're, they're our Lord's words, and they're good for us to speak. Right, so that's how, uh, why we speak them slowly. And same here with the psalm. In all such cases, the intent of the literary construction is to slow down our reading of the poem, making us go over everything twice, forcing the mind to a second and more serious look at the line, prolonging our prayer, obliging us not to go rushing off somewhere. Such poetry is deep, uh, no, is deeply meditative. And the reader who resists its impulse will find himself with acid indigestion of the mind, a <laughs> serious heartburn in a most radical and theological sense. Right. So the repetition there, um, it's, it's almost forceful, forcing us um, to slow our pace. There are two events described in this psalm, the turning back of the Red Sea at the Exodus and the identical phenomena at the Jordan River at our Lord, our Israel's entrance into Canaan. Right. So we have both Jordan and Red Sea put together. These two occasions, which are juxtaposed in Joshua 4.23, form the Psalms' twin poles, Israel's departure from Egypt and her entrance into the Promised Land. Between these two events lie the giving of the law and the 40 years' wandering of God's people in the wilderness. Whereas the two poles of that crucial period, the Red Sea and the Jordan, are marked by God's removal of the waters from their uh, native settings, the time in between them is marked by God's miraculously given water for his people wandering through the dry sands of the desert, right? Moses strikes the rock and water comes out. God, in short, reverses the expected course of things. 
He makes wet places dry and dry places wet. As for mountains and hills, what could be, what could be better symbols of stability standard stability standards of the normal and expected? Mountains and hills, it would seem, are not easily moved. Nonetheless, God moves them, as was demonstrated in the earthquake shaking Mount Sinai when the law was given. Because of the face of the Lord, that face of Mo- that Moses prayed to behold on Sinai, the mountains and the hills jumped around like sheep, as it were. The normal and expected state of things became unstrung before the awesome face of God. Hills go skipping about. Everything is set on its head. It is this complete dominion of the Lord that is manifested in his great acts of redemption. The Exodus, the giving of the law, the desert wandering, Israel's crossing, the Jordan's rocky bed into the land flowing with milk and honey. There have been several occasions in these ponderings on the Psalms to point out that the Holy Scripture often identifies the church in terms of Israel's experience in the Red Sea, at Sinai, and in the desert, and in the crossing of the Jordan. Right? So many times in the psalm we have these events all put together. Deliverance from Egypt, the desert wanderings, the giving of the law, and the entrance into the promised land. The pattern is quite standard in the New Testament, and readers of the multiplication of the loaves, first, that's uh, John chapter 6, Hebrew, First Corinthians and Hebrews will recognize this at once. Right? So we talk, <laughs> it's ironic that we just studied First Corinthians, and we also studied the book of Hebrews. Right? So we just saw this. Psalm 113 then, or Psalm 114 in our numbering, is a very much a psalm about ourselves and our life in Christ. All right. Um, by the way, the, the splitting of the psalm that he referred to at the beginning, uh, that's because um, in, the, in his tradition now, he was Episcopalian, but now he's a Greek Orthodox, um, or Antiochian Orthodox, I can't remember. The, uh, their numbering of the psalms is different, and some of the psalms, well, in this case, two psalms, ours, 114, 115, are actually combined as one, for them, Psalm 113, and then there's others that are split. So they don't line up numbering-wise. All right, but the numbering is somewhat arbitrary, so why not? Very good. Our internet is not very good, but uh, <laughs> hopefully you can hear me just fine and occasionally see me. Our first reading today, then, is from Colossians chapter 1, continuation from yesterday. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, and whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Yeah, at some point, I'd really uh, love to do a, a Bible study on the book of Corinthians. It's a uh, language is, hmm, how should we say it? Like majestic. Majestic. I think that's probably a good way to put it. All right, let's see if I can uh, 
improve our connection a little bit. I'm just looking to see what's what's taking all the data here at church, and we'll uh, forcibly tell it to stop. All right, for your sake, right? All right, let's see here. Uh, da, 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 that's fine. That's fine. Let's get rid of that, and let's get rid of that. <laughs> just tell everybody else to go away, just for a little while. All right. Hopefully that will uh, we'll see an improvement there. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be doing nearly as much as I would hope. All right. Well, it is what it is today, I suppose. Our reading then for catechesis is a continuation from First Samuel, now chapter 2. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah and she, so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass um, at that time, when Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, and uh, and before the lamp of God, went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house, from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons have made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He answered, Here I am. And he said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you, and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. 
And Samuel told him everything, and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. All right, so there ends our reading. Uh, Still not entirely satisfied with our connectivity here. (laughs) Oh, it's always something, isn't it? I wish I wish some days uh, we were given given better connections. Uh, There's a question which we can answer too. I'm surprised that here here that Hannah had more kids. Right. Um, I think this is an important note, um, and I don't actually um, have it so much here in uh, in my notes. So maybe we'll refer to it in advance (laughs) before we dig into the text that um, part of receiving the Lord's gifts um, is receiving them as he gives them. I think that's probably the appropriate way to put it. Rather than simply saying, well, um, Lord, if you give me what I want, um, that you first, as far as your, uh, your heart and your mind, and um, what, how do you want to say it, your position before God, um, that, that your reception, or that you are one of receiving. You say, Lord, uh, you give as you will. Right, and I'll receive what you will. Um, not my will be done, but your will be done. Not my the gifts that I want, but the gifts that you choose to give. Right, uh, and to not to presume to know what is what is the mind of the Lord, what is in the heart of the Lord, what is best according to to the Lord. Right, um, and I th- I think then we see this often. We see this um, with other prophets. We see this with other gifts. Having received the gifts as the Lord chooses to give then sometimes, and in this case, the Lord continues to give, um, actually, as we would have it. Um, so first, our will is conformed to his, and then we're able to receive um, what he gives as, by way of gift, recognizing that it all comes as a gift from him. Right? Not demanding, but receiving. All right. So let's, uh, let's dig in with some more catechesis here. All right. What's revealed here about the sons of Eli in particular? Yeah, it's that they did not know the Lord, right? And we skipped all of their uh, stuff that they did. <laughs> their names, though, uh, were in between here. Oh, actually, you have to go back to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 3, or 1, chapter 3. Excuse me, I said that right. Chapter 1, verse 3, there we go, uh, which is Hophni and Phinehas are the two. Um, their sin is described um, in verse 17 and 22, which we didn't read, so... Uh, maybe I should just share those with you. Let me get it up here. I always lament jumping around, and then sometimes um, my own... My, I, I even appointed here. All right, so um, verse 17, it says, Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Right? And then in verse 22, Now Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel, how they lay with women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Yeah, so they prostituted themselves um, at the tabern- the door of the tabernacle of the temple, which would later become the temple, I should say. Yeah, we omit that for the sake of children. Um, what was Samuel wearing? It says there in verse 18, a linen ephod, right? And an ephod is, um, you can read about this back in Judges or in Leviticus, a sleeveless vestment worn by the priest um, that links his actions symbolically to the works of God, right? We have similar, uh, even my uh, 
what I'm wearing here, my, I guess it's my work outfit, right? Uh, I wear black, having, you know, to indicate my sinfulness. Um, the only thing that is not sinful is what comes from my mouth, hence the, the collar, the white collar. Sometimes a tab, sometimes round like this, yeah? All right. Um, they had the same sort of thing. Uh, vestment is, is the means, even um, in pagan religions, to connect one to the deity. Um, and so there is the, the false worship of Gideon's ephod. They actually worship the ephod of Gideon. Um, that You can see that in Judges 8. All right, so it's, it, it, if in one sense, it's a, it's a uniform that shows the people, um, you know, I'm the person that the Lord has sent to do this job. Uh, but sometimes it can, of course, become idolatry. What happened each year at the time of sacrifice, according to uh, the writing, reading here? Yeah, his mother would come up uh, to make the yearly sacrifice, right? Uh, and bring another, a new little robe for his, her son. How beautiful is that, right? Uh, what did Eli do? He would bless um, Elkanah and his wife Hannah and say, the Lord give you descendants from this woman, or for this, yeah, from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord, which of course is, who's the loan? Samuel, yeah. Uh, and of course, the Lord did bless her. That word of blessing from uh, the, the priest actually gives what it says, which the Lord's words do, right? Three more sons and two daughters. Um, why is verse 26 important? We didn't read verse 26. Oh, how silly is that? All right, I'll read 26 to you. Um, and the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor with both God and men. Huh. Samuel grew in stature and in favor with both God and men. That should sound quite familiar to you. That's exactly what uh, St. Luke records in Luke chapter 2 regarding Jesus. Um, after, uh, when he's up at the, after he, uh, they leave the temple, right? When they discover him in his father's house. He continued to grow in wisdom and stage, stature and favor with God and men. All right. Uh, now verse 1. What, what was uniquely said here about the word of God in those days? Not surprising if we know about Eli's two sons, Phineas and uh, Hophni. Yeah, but that the word of the Lord was rare in those days, meaning a new word, widespread revelation through the proclamation of the prophet. Um, but it also means, on the flip side, that God had withheld his word from them, right? So Israel, because Israel's neglect of those words. So the word was not being spoken and it was not being heard. So what is Eli doing? I guess he's just sitting on his chair in the tabernacle. Hmm. How is Eli described here? Yeah, his eyes have grown dim so that he could not see. What's the um, significance here of this statement? That the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord. Hmm. All right, now this was a lamp. Um... I should probably look it up. It's in Leviticus 24. Yeah, there we have the, the bread of the tabernacle. Uh, but before the bread, uh, it says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light, to make the lamps burn continually. Outside the veil of the testimony, in the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning. That's all day, by the way before the Lord continually. Excuse me. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. He shall be in charge of the lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord continually. This lampstand being right outside um, the Holy of Holies. We talked about this last week in our Wednesday evening Bible study on the book of Hebrews. 
Um, I even put the, a diagram up on the screen so you can go and see that. That lamp was to remain lit uh, continuously. Um, think of uh, Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? Um, yeah, so the, um, again, this lamp is right next to the table where the bread of presence was. It was to burn continually. Um, and it's, it, to say that the, that the lamp of God went out is, is another way of saying what was just said in verse 1, right? That the word of God was rare in those days. Um, that the Lord is the one who would prevent the light of his word from departing from them, right? But if it did, it would, be, it would go out because of their neglect of it, not because of lack of desire from God. Um, note also where the ark of God was. Notice that's past tense, was. Why? Because the ark is another sign of God's constant presence with Israel, um, but the ark is actually gone. And they're not going to recover it for a couple of chapters, or it's going to be gone. The rarity of the wood would, word would lead to the disastrous despising of the word um, before Samuel would call the people to repentance. And actually the, Sam, the ark would be stolen and, by the Philistines and they'd have to go and recover it. Another sign of that. All right, what happened at night? The Lord called Samuel, right? And he said, here I am. But Samuel, instead of uh, responding, your servant listens, right? He goes to Eli because he thinks Eli had called him. Of course, Eli responds that he had not called him and sends him back to bed, right? What happened the second time? Of course, Samuel goes to Eli. Um, and we see why here in verse 7. Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him, right? So the word had departed, right? And so why would he even expect that the Lord would call out to him? What happened the third time that the Lord called Samuel? Notice Eli wakes up here and says, uh, literally wakes up, but also wakes up and says, um, just that it's the Lord that's speaking to Samuel and say, speak Lord for your servant hears. Beautiful. I almost feel like we should, uh, that would be a great response to have at the beginning of his sermon, right? Um, this is, or at the end of, before the gospel, right? Speak Lord for your servant hears. Great. Uh, that'd be a great liturgical addition, I think. What is the significance of the number um, four, right? Because this is now the fourth time that the Lord will call out to him. Four in the scriptures is the number of the earth. Um, and then, consequently, of the gospel that is preached to the four corners of the earth. Hence John writing his gospel, right? Because it must be for all nations. What would uh, cause the Israelites' ears to tingle? I love that expression there in verse 11. Hearing um, the word that the, uh, of judgment against Eli's house makes their ears itch. Eli's house was going to be judged forever uh, because his sons had made themselves vile and of course had desecrated the temple and even their office as priests. Uh, and Eli, um, neglected in neglect, had not restrained them either. And so both neglected his role as father but also as high priest. And, and there, was no, there was no atonement to be made for them, iniquity for them. Um, is there forgiveness? Of course, but there would be no forgiveness for them, right? Because of their unbelief. What would happen, uh, or excuse me, what is the significance of Samuel's opening the doors of the Lord's house um, in the morning? You see that right here in verse 15? Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord's house in the morning. All right, this is a great text now. 
uh, for this season of Easter, right? It's anticipating Christ's resurrection when the doors of the Lord's house were opened early in the morning by the one sent by the Father to make, a sacri- make the sacrifice who atones for all men, right? So this is the tomb being opened, if you like. And the word of the Lord's going to go forth now from Samuel. What did Eli tell Samuel? That he should not hide the word of the Lord from him. Whether it's law or gospel, right? In this case, it'll be the law. And how did Eli respond to the words of Samuel? Let the Lord do what seems good to him. Thy will be done. This is ultimately um, the confession of faith. Um, how was the Lord with Samuel? A pretty cool expression here. Let none of his words fall to the ground. That means his words were heard. The people received them. And what was the Lord revealing about Samuel, of course? Yes, he's a prophet of the Lord. All right, a meditation on this text. There is no greater threat than the word of the Lord, or that the word of the Lord would be completely removed. Right? And then we should be on our guard, um, lest we despise the word and it be removed from us. Eli could no longer see physically, but his household was blind also, in that they had departed from God's word. So the lamp of God had not yet gone out in the darkness of Israel, of Israel, but it was growing faint when the Lord remembered his people by setting apart Samuel as his prophet. Samuel was lying near the presence of God in the ark, but he still did not know the word of the Lord that came forth from the ark. Like all those who have been baptized into Christ, the young Samuel must be taught to hear the word of the Lord. It is to be sought near the ark, that is, the Lord's altar, where he is present in his body and blood. It is to be sought in the divine service where the word is preached, that the baptized might know their God, who sent his dear Son, and be strengthened in the faith, in that faith by the Holy Spirit. Indeed, it was on the fourth call that Samuel answered that he would listen. So we too listen to the blessed gospel, that is the power of God for salvation. All right, there ends the meditation. Uh, one more note. Um, I actually had an inquiry about a baptism, which is a beautiful thing. Um, somebody who has been absent from um, from divine service for some time, and um, it's an it's an interesting conversation always because there's this understanding that baptism, of course, is a gift. Maybe sometimes, um, but that it's something that should be received and that um, would be appropriate for especially for a young child that's been born. But on the other hand, uh, it often gets disconnected from the teaching of God's word. Right. So you're brought into the fellowship of the saints through holy baptism. But actually, it's the receiving of God's word that keeps you in that, in that saving faith, right? So I, I think we often look at baptism, um, what, as like a ticket to heaven or something like that, right? Just a check mark, a box um, to go through, or somehow uh, in and of itself, it's pleasing to God. But it is. It's God's gift. But it, it's God's gift that leads us into God's church, uh, where we regularly hear his word and we're sustained in the faith through the word of absolution and through his supper, right? Um, so it's of one cloth, I guess we'd put it that way. The, the word and the sacraments all belong together, um, and not one to the exclusion of the others. Um, it's always difficult to, to instruct people in, in that teaching. Um, and It's interesting how reluctant folks are to be in regular and constant hearing of, to God's word, um, and yet would want to receive the gift of baptism, um, because they go together. So just a little meditation on that. All right, let's confess our table of duties for this week, catechism, to husbands. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. 1 Peter 3, verse 7.
Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Colossians 3, verse 19. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus, by your word and spirit, fashion the men of your church into husbands made in your image, who love their wives and sacrifice themselves for them, even as you gave yourself for us, your bride, the church. Teach them to respect their wives and to treat them with tenderness, compassion, and loving kindness. Deliver them from all pride and arrogance so that they do not take advantage of their wives, but honor them as joint heirs of the gracious gift of life. In your holy name we pray. Amen. On this Friday, we pray for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted, and for the sick and dying. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help us, good Lord, by the mystery of your holy incarnation, by your holy nativity, by your baptism, fasting, and temptation, by your agony and bloody sweat, by your cross and passion, by your precious death and burial, by your glorious resurrection and ascension, and by the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Today we pray in Thanksgiving with Michaela and Dan, who celebrate their birthday, with Jessica, who celebrates her baptism, with Amanda, who rejoices in the gift of healing, in Thanksgiving with Mariah for her answer to our call, with Ryan and Cassidy, who celebrate the birth of their son, Arthur. For those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Kelsey, Roy, John, Timothy, Janice, and Sandy, Linda, Ken, Aaron, Penny, and Blair. Our homebound, Bev, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey, and the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Pastor Bloss and the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray our collect for this week. O God, through the humiliation of your Son, you raised up the fallen world. Grant to your faithful people, rescued from the peril of everlasting death, perpetual gladness, and eternal joys. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. pray the morning prayer. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son. Now let's do the Lord's Prayer first. <laughs> Sorry, don't want to skip that. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week with high delight.
our congregation of prayer for today friday april 23rd 2021 another sketchy internet day uh must be uh uh the half day with the kids at school who knows somebody somebody's taking all the bandwidth but uh so it is not not here at our school <laughs> they've restricted everybody uh they have nothing i have everything but it doesn't matter all right uh, lord be with you all and uh keep you safe and we'll see you again in the morning as we'll prepare Again, via our congregational prayer, but we'll prepare for Sunday to hear God's word on that day. So join us in the morning, 9 a.m. Otherwise, Lord be with you all. We'll see you soon.